All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 207 of the DFO Rundown, brought to you by Batano 19 Plus. Please play responsibly. The game starts now with Batano. Go to batano.ca. I'm Jason Greger. He's Frank Saravalli. And man, the uh, playoff push uh, is really beginning now, Frank. It's unreal. The Nashville Predators are staying alive. The Florida Panthers, the Islanders, the Penguins, everybody's winning. Last night, the Flames beat the Jets uh, in Winnipeg on one Wednesday. Uh, there's no games tonight. Everybody gets a, a break on Good Friday. And then every team in the league plays tomorrow. And man, there is a bevy of huge games in the coming days. There's lots to get to about the playoff race, but I do want to start first, Frank. You gotta, you gotta, you've been working on a project for quite a while. It's coming out and it's talking about complete spending for teams, not just the salary cap. Everybody knows what the salary cap is. And there's obviously some teams who are in LTIR who spend more in actual dollars, but those players aren't playing, but they're still spending that much more. But this is, this includes American league salaries. This includes uh, what you, some of those kids who get a $10,000 to play in junior and basically everything for spending for teams. Yeah, it's, it really paints a good picture of the haves and have nots in the NHL. And I think we've all been aware and it's in the back of everyone's mind that there's a clear, you know, distinction between the big spenders and the budget teams. However, to see the actual hard numbers and to see what each team spends on a given year, 
I've got this season plus the last three before that. So a total of four years worth of data and got to give a huge shout out to Jamie at cap friendly. Um, it's been amazing to work with their team. Those guys are such an invaluable resource for everyone uh, in the NHL that covers the NHL. Uh, you know, teams rely on cap friendly to do a lot of the work that they accomplish on a daily basis. And so, you know, with the help of Jamie, I was able to really sift through some of these numbers. And it's it's kind of fascinating to see it add up over a four-year span. Like, for instance, the biggest spender in the NHL over the last four seasons is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've spent $390 million total in salary. So that's just on-ice expenditure. It's NHL salary, as you mentioned, minor salary, um, your signing bonuses, everything that goes into it, 390 million bucks. And the Arizona Coyotes have spent 271. It's a $119 million gap over a four year period between number one and number 32 in the NHL. So it's a huge, it's a huge gap and it's, it's, these numbers sort of vastly exceed the salary cap too. And, and that to me, I think is another part of the story is that these teams that have the ability to spend can really flex their muscle with signing bonus and with front loading contracts that really changes the game. And so we hear from the NHL all the time, salary cap means parity. And it, there is a kind of a ceiling, a, a, a somewhat of a limit as to what you can spend, but not really. Like the, the Lightning and the second biggest spender in the league over the last four years have averaged um, somewhere around 97 million bucks a year in spending. And the cap has never been higher than 82.5. So it kind of goes to show you that, you know, those teams that either have deep pockets or big markets are really at an advantage in the NHL. And so we've thought it, but now to see the numbers to confirm it, I think is important. And a lot of that comes from, if you're in LTIR, then you're willing to spend more, right? Um, I, I think- uh, Some teams purposely enter LTIR to spend more, like Tampa. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, so people will say, well, Tampa's buying cups. Um, do you, now I know I don't, I want, I don't want to give away all the numbers, but uh, do you want to share like the top three or four so people can see it just cause you're in the top four doesn't mean you're having tons of success in the playoffs. Correct. Yeah. I mean, look, the truth is you can't buy success in the NHL. Um, you can give your team an opportunity and these teams, uh, that are in the mix have, have all sort of ex with the exception of Toronto have gotten to the final four in recent years. So Tampa is the biggest spender over the last four years, as I mentioned, $390 million. Second is Toronto, $389 million. Vegas is third at $371. Edmonton is fourth at $366. And the Islanders are fifth at $363. So all of those teams, with the exception of Toronto, have all been to a conference final um, or or deeper in the last four seasons. Yeah, and and all of them have had maybe with the exception of Vegas, they got to the Cup final, of course, their first year, but they've been clearly a really successful team. 
Yeah, and and all those teams, Frank, the one thing they have in common, they've had guys on LTIR for significant periods of time, right? Uh-huh. And so that that definitely uh, impacts the, a team. They can spend more. They don't necessarily get a benefit uh, for certain games from it, but they definitely spend more, and they get the benefit if uh, if those guys are healthy come playoff time it is it's fascinating because even before the salary cap if, if people want to remember and maybe some of our younger listeners don't know but prior to the salary cap you know you had a few teams detroit colorado dallas you know, they were the big, big spenders the Philly, the new york rangers yeah. but the rangers never had any real success despite spending a boatload right so mm-hmm. there's always you know, spending more doesn't guarantee you success. Um, Tampa Bay's obviously drafted incredibly well. And then they had an owner who says, you know what? I'm willing to pay. And and I think that's important. And, you know, it's, it's interesting for me, Vegas from day one has said, we're willing to spend money. And it's worked as far as getting to the playoffs. You know, they, they had the great run the first year. And, um, you know, the playoffs are difficult. But I'm fascinated to read the entire article. Is there a team, who would you say is the one team that spends the least that has the most success? Um, I think the Colorado Avalanche have been fascinating. Um, And you got to remember, too, like, part of these numbers are skewed a little bit in the sense that a lot of it is is due to cyclical nature of of the way the game works. Like, for instance, the New York Rangers have spent the 18th most money over the last four years, but they were a rebuilding team for – Two of those, like yeah. they weren't considered to be a cup contender, so they weren't spending to, you know, the very max. They were they were near the top of the cap, but not in terms of total salary. So that is one sort of caveat. Like some of the other teams that have money uh, that haven't spent a ton in recent years, the LA Kings, they were rebuilding. The Detroit Red Wings, they're toward the bottom. Like they have money, but they're not using it. So that's an important caveat. Um, I would say one team that um, will surprise people is the Boston Bruins. They're 20th in total spending. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche have done a great job. And, and what was fascinating to me looking at this year's numbers in particular, the Avs were 31st in the league in signing bonus money spent. They spent less than a million dollars total on their entire roster in signing bonus. So that's going to change in a huge way because Nathan McKinnon's contract kicks in next year and he's got $15.7 million in signing bonus due in July. So that's, yeah. that's a huge deal and they're going to rock it up the charts. But nonetheless, um, I also, it, it's a lot harder to quantify, but I went through and I looked at every team's staff and I, I charted out, like, here's how many assistant GMs they have. Here's how many coaches. Here's how many in player development and pro scouting and amateur scouting. And I put it all on a spreadsheet. And I'm not going to put it out publicly because I found that most teams are generally in the same sort of ballpark. You know, almost every team has seven or eight coaches. And yes. the averages, you know, sort of come out to around 33 to 34 staff members in hockey ops per team. There are some outliers and the abs have one of the smallest staffs in the league. So they have one of the smallest staffs and they don't spend on signing bonus or hadn't until Nathan McKinnon's contract. They've enjoyed some extraordinary success based on that. Um, they've made a lot from a little. Yeah. And you know, that's a good segue, Frank. So uh, when's the article coming out? Uh, it'll be up uh, today, Friday, April 7th on, today. uh, 
on dailyface.com. All right. I look forward to it. I've had an inside scoop, but I didn't uh, see all of it. So I'm curious to read uh, all of it. And it is one, um, you know, you mentioned the Avs and they've had boatload success. The only place they haven't had success this year is health. And, you know, it's been brutal. Uh, It's just a a rotating door to the infirmary for them. Uh, Kale McCarr, out indefinitely now, which doesn't mean he's out for the uh, the playoffs. They just, you know, you say he's out indefinitely, which that could be two games. That could be three weeks. We'll see. But Landeskog, Manson, Lekkinen were all on the ice in non-contact jerseys, so they're getting closer. And, you know, I know uh, Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon have been carrying that team. Miko Rantanen became only the third Finnish player in NHL history to score 50 goals last night, did it in style, did, got a hat trick, so he's now up to 52. I look at the Avs, and they don't have this. Even when they're fully healthy, they won't have the offensive depth they had last year because there's no Burakovsky or Kadri. But their defense is still unreal. And Georgiev, come playoff time, is probably going to be better than Kemper in the playoffs because Kemper was battling through the injuries and the vision issues. But in the regular season, he was great. So let's say they get Makar and Landeskog and all these guys back. How do you view Colorado. See, I still think they're a really good contender. I just don't see them as dominant because they don't have Kadri and Burakovsky. Where do you come up? I think it all hinges, my opinion for me, hinges on the health of Makar. Like, if he is there, is he at 100%? Because if he is, I, I think they're the team to beat in the West. I don't think there's a huge distinction between them and Edmonton or them and the next team in the in the conference, be it whoever you may choose. But I do think that they, when everything is assembled properly for them, they have the best team. Yeah, there's, hey, there's, they're really good. But Kale McCarr's health is a big concern. Yeah, he just, he hasn't, first off, when, when they had a slew of injuries in the beginning, this has been such a weird year for him. Like, look at his time on ice. He, he's been asked to do things this season that he never was previously. Like, his average, for the season is 26-23 in ice time. But if you actually go back and look to the first chunk of the year while all these guys were out, like he was over 30 minutes a night on so many occasions. And that's that's a lot. You know, it's, it's crazy to think. Um, so he was over 30 minutes nine times this season. Yeah. Not he only played 60 games. So basically one sixth of his season he played 30 minutes or more, and that's due to the other health issues that they had. So he was asked to take on a lot, and he's been hurt himself. That I I think he's not I know that he's not gonna get the love for the Naris. Um, but still being north of a point per game and having your points per game sort of take a backseat to the team's other needs. It's been an incredibly impressive year, and and I really think a lot of their playoff success hinges on his availability. Well, you look, Frank, up and up until uh, uh, you know, like into early January, he was still averaging over twenty seven minutes a game, right? Like their first forty games of the year, he was playing over twenty seven minutes. Like that, that's almost a minute a minute more than the next guy, which is Drew Doughty, right? And he's not the biggest guy, so I think that at times can can take a toll. I don't, I'm not saying that has anything to do with his injury, but his value to that team is massive. And, and if he's not healthy, uh, come playoff time. Now 
he might play at 90% and Kale McCarr at 90% is still better than 95% of the defensemen in the league. So that's, that's his advantage and, and Colorado's advantage. But you know, the abs and here's the other thing, Frank, the abs are one of only two teams, them and Buffalo starting tomorrow. will play five games in the final seven days of the regular season because they have those makeup games. Yeah. Right. So the abs play back to back on Saturday, Sunday, then they have a day off then they play Tuesday. Then they have a day off. They play Thursday, Friday. So they're not, they, they might be able to rest some guys, but they're going to have to, some of their guys are going to have to play a lot before heading into the playoffs. Now they will get Saturday, Sunday off, and maybe they don't play until Tuesday. So they'll technically get three days off, but you know, it's, it's a terrible schedule for the abs and they got lots to play for because they're playing for uh, first place in the central division. So I'm and not that actually sure means something this year. I think Oh, hundred percent it does. So I just, to put a bow on the abs conversation, like, I was just thinking about how Makar in general has totally changed the fortunes of the team. Like, I yeah. don't think they win the Stanley Cup without him. And I think before then, they were a mostly average team. And, I, and I'm, I'm not disrespecting them or Nathan McKinnon or, you know, Gabriel Landeskog or Rantanen or the other players that they have. But his ascension and his you know, stepping right into the NHL and becoming a 50-point defenseman out of college, they were, like, Joe Sackick was livid when they lost the draft lottery that year. Yes. And they ended up with the number four overall pick. They had one of the worst teams in NHL history, 48 points in 2017. And they were furious to end up in that spot. And, And they get Kale McCarr. He ends up being the best player in the draft. And I think without them, without Makar, they're they're just they're what I here's here's going to be a funny comparison that I'm going to make to you. They're basically what the Anaheim Ducks are right now. I was thinking about this the other day. Nathan McKinnon, 21 year old season, 53 points. Miko Rantanen, 20 years old, 38 points. Landis Cog, 24 years old, 33 points. So the year that they got their shit kicked in. The Ducks have been getting their shit kicked in. Trevor Zegers, 21 years old, 56 points. Mason McTavish, 20 years old, 40 points. Troy Terry, 25 years old, 49 points. The numbers all line up between McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog and Zegers, McTavish, and Terry. Well, yeah, The I'll difference this, is they don't have a Kale McCarr. No, but, but the also difference is I, I don't see Terry and, and Zegers um, – in the same boat, like McKinnon and Ranton are huge men and they're so such good skaters. Like, like those guys were going to be elite. And I would agree with you. Like Kale McCarr was the final piece for them. And it was a massive piece. You know, it's just like Bowen Byram, like two, they, they, they lost the draft lottery in 2017, but by losing it, they essentially won it because had they picked first overall, they're on record as saying they wouldn't have taken McCarr. Right. So cause Colorado didn't just lose one lottery, Frank, they lost three. Remember back in 2017, there was three draft lotteries and they were first because New Jersey went from fourth to one. Dallas went, I think, from seven to uh, three and Philly went from like 12 all the way to number two. And uh, Nico Heischer, Nolan Patrick, Heiskanen's pretty good player. And so he went third to Dallas. But And I like Nico Heischer, but him and, him and uh, Patrick aren't even remotely close. Like how different would New Jersey look right now if they had taken McCarr, or let's say one of them would have finished fourth 
He's a generational defenseman. Like I just, yeah. what I'm saying. My point is, the Avs aren't the Avs without Makar. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're not as good. That's fair. Yeah. They're not. I don't even they, think they're even close. Let's say they would have taken Miro Heiskanen. Heiskanen is just now finally having a breakout offensive season. Yeah, he's not the offensive player. He's pretty good, right? So I mean, he's doubled his point total. His he's doubled his career high. Well, dude, hey, for all of you people who are looking in playoff pools, Miro Heiskanen has 26 points since March 1st. He is on fire for Dallas. Probably the, the, the player no one's talking about as far as being red hot going into the he, playoffs. He's going to so get a Norris Trophy vote from me. He's going to be in my five? top five somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Um, but it's important because they also got Bowen Byram in the Matt Duchesne trade. No one thought they were going to get a top five pick from that trade. So um, they're drafting... They made the right picks, no question, but uh, they also got a, a little bit lucky in the sense and they of accidentally reason. made the right pick. I'm like, yeah. I'm not knocking their scouting staff, but they like they weren't really focused on the fourth pick. No, yeah, like they obviously had the rankings, and they're like, okay, well, he's the best guy left now. Yeah, but... and you still got to nail it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. So, hey, give the scouts credit. Him and Bowen Byron, those are few, two huge picks, and um, I think. Anaheim's, Anaheim's got a lot of good young defensemen coming. I'm not sure any of them are going to be Kale McCarr good, but they've got some young D-men coming, but they're going to, they're going to need a lot more in Anaheim. Uh, I think there's a lot more pain coming uh, for the Anaheim Ducks uh, in the next coming years before they turn around. But at least they've got, you know, on paper, they've got lots of potential. Will it become real? Uh, we'll see. Um, the, the other teams that I want to get to, Frank, and uh, let's get to the Eastern Conference playoff race now. The Pittsburgh Penguins, the Islanders, the Florida Panthers, they're separated by a point. They all went into last night with four games remaining. They all won. So Florida wins and win big, uh, crush Ottawa. Uh, Both Kachuk brothers fighting, different guys, though, on the same shift. It's rather uh, comical. And then the Islanders have a big win over Tampa, and we'll get to Tampa's injury issues. And then Penguins, they, uh, they needed a big win. They got it. So now they each have three games left. Pittsburgh's in the worst spot as far as standings, but might be in the best spot because of who they play. Like them and the Islanders have the two easiest schedules. The, the three teams they play, none of them are in the playoffs. Meanwhile, Florida's got a, a much tougher sched down the stretch, but they're playing maybe the best of the three teams. And their best hockey of the season. Yeah. And and with Mr. Lion and goal. Well, that, that, that just makes the story even sweeter and maybe just solves a little of the little bit of the Panthers goaltending woes, at least temporarily. Um, all that means is the Penguins are running out of oxygen. Yeah. But they've got I know they Detroit. have the easiest schedule, but... Yeah. That, okay, so first off, the Calgary Flames can let you know that, you know, you can't just pencil in a win against the, the Chicago Blackhawks. This has True. been the weirdest... You know, I, I'm glad that we have drama heading into the final week of the season because, like we needed it after last year, but this has been the weirdest year to handicap in the sense of like the jets and pens should have been in like six weeks ago. Oh yeah. They've both opened the door and, and more than that um, along the way, there's like this mirror image between the East and the West in the sense that games that you expect teams to win, they lose and teams that you expect to lose, they win. Like, for instance, it would have shocked no one last night to see the Penguins lose to the Wild, right? 
Yeah. They're they're winning games that they probably shouldn't and they're losing games that they definitely shouldn't. Does that make any sense? Oh no, it makes perfect sense. Why is that? Well, you you look at both Winnipeg and and Pittsburgh, Frank, and since March 1st, because on March 1st, they're like, yeah, you know, they're in a really good spot. Of all the playoff teams, they got the worst records. They're 8-8-1 for Winnipeg, and Pittsburgh's 9-9-1. That's a 500 points percentage, right? Um, And interesting to note for people, if you care about, you know, how teams are playing uh, heading into the the playoffs, the uh, the, actually Tampa Bay is worse. They're 8-9-2. Right, that's they're actually worse than both of them at, at um, um, four seventy four. Them and Toronto are seventeenth and twenty first since March first in NHL points percentage, and you know there was a lot of whining mainly out of Toronto, some fans about all oh, they're playing Tampa. They should be doing cartwheels right now, Frank, that they get to play Tampa, who has struggled down the stretch, and now Tanner Genoa, their head coach John Cooper, said uh, very okay. concerned about him. Uh, he thinks Maroon will be okay, but Tampa Bay. Looks like those three years of runs to the cup have caught up with them because they, they, we talked about Colorado's injuries, and Tampa Bay's probably got more. Yeah, but be careful. I just, I don't like to make any judgments about Tampa until they're done and buried. Fair. No, I, hey, I agree with you. Until they lose, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not picking against them, I don't think. What about the Leafs, though? They're nine, six, and three. They basically have only won half their games. Uh, now, some would say, well, they got nothing to play for. Yeah, I don't know if I, but Boston has nothing to play for, and they're still killing it. So uh, I don't know if I, well, they've I, got I, a record to play for. Yeah, but, and they are on track for 133 points. Oh, dude, they're on track for like 60, I mean, 64 wins now. So they do have something to play for. I think the Leafs have something to play for in that they need to get their chemistry together. They need yeah. to get their their line combos. They need to get their pairs. They need to know who, and, and frankly, there needs to be a clear distinction between who is sitting out and who isn't. And maybe that changes after a loss or two in the playoffs. But to know going in, this is the pecking order. This is what the lines are with combinations. And this is how we're going to attack it. That means something, I think. Oh, hey, that's fair. I would agree with you on that. I'm just saying, if people want to use that as an excuse, I think it's a bad excuse. I think they they were they weren't guaranteed home ice advantage, and they've both been limping down the stretch here. Now, maybe they flip the switch. I think flipping a switch is hard, though. We'll see. Right. Same with when Carolina. both teams are tasked with flipping the switch, essentially, yeah. which is what Toronto is, it becomes a toss up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they should be happy they're playing each other. Like, the, the other team that, that should be concerned, and this isn't a surprise to me. By the is, way, just to go back to our original conversation, the two highest spending teams over the last four years meeting in round one. Yeah. <laughs> um, again. And I look at the Carolina Hurricanes. Our team, Frank, if, if I pick, I think whoever finishes in the, in the first wild card spot like that's like to make the playoffs, you just want to get in. Cause I know once anybody's in, you have a chance. I think you have a much better chance if you're seventh over eighth because of Carolina and Boston and not just because Boston's on a record breaking season, but the way Carolina's played down the stretch, like their lack of offense and, and the Svechnikov injury, I think combined with, with not adding a big offensive player is really starting to show for them. Cause they're, they're like 18th since March 1st in points yeah, percentage. In they've the really struggled. I, I I thought that that Svechnikov injury 
I thought they'd be able to overcome that a little bit better than they have. I just, I like that they work. Like that's the one thing is oh. like, I, I'm, I don't think th- no matter what, Svechnikov or not, they're not going to be an easy out. Well, they won't be an easy out. By I don't care sense. who they play or yeah. what round it's in. Like, which team do you give the best chance, though? Florida, the Islanders, or Pittsburgh? Like, who do you think has the best chance against Carolina? Um, The Islanders, I think. Because of their goalie? Yeah. Pharisee, I think it's Florida because Florida has more top-end skill. But Carolina has enough, you know, sort of juice and defensive commitment to and I like I, I still think there's something to well not I don't think there's something to I know there's something to what Keith Kachuk said on Toronto radio about Florida which by the way I don't think they've lost since was Keith, with, with Keith Kachuk the the spark that the Panthers needed um yeah they're like soft compete work ethic all those things that Carolina, like, I don't think Carolina's, I don't know. I don't think Carolina's going to have a big deal, big problem with Florida, if that were the matchup. Okay. But I think the Islanders, though, like, we, we've been saying all year the Islanders can't score, right? Well, they struggle with it, yeah. The Carolina Hurricanes only have 18 more goals. Oh, hey. I, yeah, I'm not a... Carolina, I've said it, like, they were on my board of the biggest loser uh, at the deadline. I just felt like they didn't address their need. Okay, so you take the Hurricanes, and what what did you say? It was since March 1st? Since March 1st, they're 18th in points percentage. And how many goals do they have? Uh, In that time, Carolina is do-do-do-do-do. Oh, they're 29th in goals, 2.60 per game. And you're going to play Ilya Sorokin in the first round? Yeah. That's your that's an upset possibility. Yeah. By the way, would it be pretty wild if Pittsburgh and Boston lined up again? If if the Pens get in, just obviously these two teams met in the Winter Classic this year. There's kind of a little wrinkle to that matchup that I don't think that many people have talked about. Not that it's a big deal, but it's a cool, neat little side story or sidebar is. Penguins coach Mike Sullivan, his daughter is getting married to Charlie McAvoy. Oh, did not know that. Hmm. Interesting little tidbit. Yeah. Um, yeah well, I'm, I'm guessing cheer for hubby over uh, over dad. Sorry. Dad. Uh, Winter Classic, I believe she wore a Penguins jacket and a Bruins hat. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, the, the Panthers, by the way, Frank, since March 1st, 5th. In the NHL in goals at 3.94. That was according to Instagram, by the way. I know that sounded incredibly creepy, but. Yeah. Hey, buddy, you're, you're on, uh, you know, you're the, is it, is it the, what are, one of, what are one of those rags that are at the front of the grocery store? You're reading those all the time, aren't the you? The National Enquirer? The National Enquirer, yeah. You're all over it. Yeah. People <laughs> magazine? Frank the Enquirer. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. Oh, yeah. So. Um, now let's get to the uh, the West. So you're you're who are you picking, by the way, to miss Florida, the Islanders, Pittsburgh? I think I'm going to go Florida and the Penguins. The Islanders are out. Okay, 
Um, Florida, hey, they control their own destiny because they're they're in right now, and if Pittsburgh can't catch them if they win out, uh, and they also frank the final game of the regular season, Florida Carolina could be a potential first round matchup if uh, they take care oh, of business. They, also, they have Toronto and Washington as well. Pittsburgh plays Detroit, Chicago, and Columbus. And, Easiest, uh, That's the thing. It's the I don't think they're going to win all three. No, but they got a real good chance to. And the Islanders play Philly, Washington, and Montreal. So, so they get pretty, three non-playoff teams. Pretty decent uh, sked as well. So um, I know, man. Florida's rolling. I think they're going to find a way to get in. So I mean, the point. math right now would dictate that Florida and the Islanders are the two teams in. Yeah, but there's, they, I just I just have such a hard time betting against Sidney Crosby. I agree with you. I agree. And. Uh, a guy had said the Islanders last week, so I'll stick with them, but I'm not as confident at all about that now. So uh, the West, hey, the wild card of the West. Now there's only one spot, not two. There's uh, one spot up for grabs. You've got the uh, Jets, the Flames, and the Nashville Predators, man. I give them credit. They just keep hanging around. They went into Carolina last night. UC Saros was excellent. Pitches the shutout. And uh, Nashville keeps pace. Uh, they have four games left, as do the Jets. Jets have 89, Preds have 88, and the Flames with three games remaining have uh, 89. Uh, the Flames do play the uh, Preds next week, but tomorrow, Frank, is the game for Nashville. If they want to stay in it, I think they have to beat Winnipeg, and so they're they're into uh, Winnipeg. Uh, the Jets beat them in overtime a few weeks ago, 2-1. to one. So uh, I think that really comes down. If Winnipeg wins that game, um, well, I think it eliminates Nashville. I know not mathematically, but I think it pretty much eliminates them in my books. So... Then it comes down to Calgary's going to have to keep pace, and then Calgary's going to have to hope that Winnipeg stumbles in uh, in their games against uh, Mini and Colorado, right? That's that's obviously what they're hoping for. And Calgary's in Van on Saturday. Yep. If you're Calgary, who do you root for? Winnipeg or Nashville? If you're Calgary? Good question. Yeah, aren't you hoping that whatever happens, it's not a three-point game? Well, 100%. Right, because the worst case scenario for Calgary is if the Nashville wins in overtime or in uh, in the shootout, because then the Preds jump ahead of them, and uh, the Jets add another point ahead of them. They'd all be uh, with three games remaining at that point before their uh, their game starts against Vancouver, but they'd be on the outside looking in. And Calgary both. has the fewest games remaining. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a tough spot for the Flames. The Preds have a a better shot right now to get in than the Flames. Yeah, but they have a harder skin, right? Because they play, they play uh, Minnesota. But they also have the most runway. Yeah, but they got well. They control it. But think about it: they play mini and they play mini in Colorado, two playoff teams, and then the other two teams are battling for. It. So they control their destiny the best. Do the Preds, but they also have the hardest schedule. Crazy. I just love the fact that they're in with all their injuries and all the guys they traded away. No one thought they'd be here. So I've been credit. saying all week, though, with the commonality of the schedule, watch out for the Preds. Because yeah. since they play both of those teams, as you mentioned, uh, Winnipeg and Calgary, just win and you're in. Yeah. Just winning well, both been... of those games allows you to lose the other two, I think. Um, let me look. So let's say Nashville wins both, right? So that would give them 92 points. Then the Jets, um, the Jets would have to go because they have the tiebreaker over Nashville. So then Winnipeg in their final three games would have to go one and two, so it still doesn't guarantee him. I think I think Nashville has to win at least three games. 
or they could go two oh and two or something like just get to overtime for the other games or one of those other games and they're probably in they could go two one and one and probably as long as the two games they win are calgary and winnipeg right yeah, but if the see the Jets have the tiebreaker, right? So even if they get five points and the Jets, let's say the Jets go two and two, and the one loss is versus Nashville, they still would beat them, and they go two and two because they'd have nine and three points, and they'd own the tiebreaker with the. I, I think the Preds need three wins out of four to get in. Wide open. Yeah, I mean, I went, if, you're, if you're looking at the odds from the playoff chances from my guy. Micah Blake McCurdy, his Twitter is at ineffectivemathhockeyviz.com. He has the Jets at 59%. And this also factors in, like, the last 20 games that you've played, all of your underlying numbers and analytics, and the matchups that are remaining. He has the Jets at 59%, which is more or less a coin flip. And then the Preds at 24 and the Flames at 17. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I, Winnipeg's definitely in the driver's seat, and especially if they win that game in Nashville. Like over Nashville, I should say. It's at home. But Well, all that does, like you said, is really knocks off the, the press. Yeah, it just eliminates it. Now you're competing against one team instead of two. So Right. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Like, I can't – I'm shocked the way that that game played out on Wednesday. I thought for sure that the Flames would be dead in the water. They would have been down to 1% had they lost – yeah. Oh, yeah. If they had lost, they were out too. I agree. So now, you know, Vancouver hasn't had much to play for all year long, but hey, they can play spoiler. And, so can uh, San Jose. They still play both those teams. Yeah. They still play both the Jets and the Flames. Yeah. The Sharks are pretty banged up, though. But uh, uh, they hey, just we re- saw Noah Gregor hat trick recently. And what happened to Kevin LeBanc? Yeah. The bank <laughs> is open. Yeah. Uh, they got to say, hey, you know, I'll give them credit, man. Like, they're playing hard. You saw they were losing 3-1 to one to Colorado and came back and tied it. Then McKinnon went McKinnon in overtime. But, you know, they did get spanked last night. Um, they've uh, they, they've gotten some points over teams that you don't expect. But, you know, now they play Edmonton, who's absolutely rolling. You know, Vegas, big win last night again for Vegas. Like, L.A., there was their chance for L.A. to stay in the home ice advantage race last night, Frank. And they got – I don't know if you watched that first period, but – Yeah, I I watched the first 11 minutes and turned it off. I was like, all right, this game's over. Like, it was unreal. Vegas was just pounding them. And that's why – like, the Kings had this great run. I just – I don't know. I don't – I don't think they're offensive punch. I know they they play very good defense, but, you know, Vegas just steamrolled them. And Edmonton in two straight games said, okay, we'll play your game. And uh, it was a defensive kind of game. And Edmonton's top-end skill just took over at key times in the game, either shorthanded on the power play or five-on-five, and they won. So, I don't know. Like, L.A. and Edmonton look like they're going to meet up in the first round. But I just – I don't see L.A. They're a tough out, but I don't see them pushing that to a seven-game series like they did last year. I don't know. I, I I wouldn't be shocked if, like I said, anything. I wouldn't be shocked if the Oilers are playing for the Cup, and I wouldn't be shocked if they lost to the Kings in the first round. Yeah, I'd, I'd be more shocked now the way Edmonton's played recently. And, and the way that they've played specifically against the Kings recently. Yeah, like they, they really controlled those games. I thought it was really important the way that they picked through the Kings earlier this week. Yeah. 
Uh, the Central has a great race, Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota. You know, they're 0-2-1 now in their last three, which might cost them home ice advantage. Uh, they're now in third place in, in that race. Colorado, 100 points, Dallas, 100, and Mini, 98. And uh, Dallas and Colorado have the tiebreakers. So uh, outside Dallas, of the wild card, do the six other West spots, do they rem- – uh, wait, first off, it's uh, it's crazy that there's a dark night in the NHL tonight but it's amazing that all 32 teams play on Saturday for the first time ever. Yep. But it means that whatever we say today isn't going to be stale tonight. So do the six teams that are in the central and Pacific as they're currently ordered in the standings, is that the way it finishes for you? I guess it's hard for like LA catching Edmonton seems hard and Edmonton to catch Vegas. You know, you're three points back with three games. Now Vegas does have a tough schedule. Um, yeah, like Colorado, Dallas, Colorado, five games, Frank, in seven days, man. That's a big task. And they're yeah, banged but, up. But it is five games. Yeah, that's the advantage runway. for sure. So, um, And like we said, this actually matters. It's the difference between facing one of Winnipeg, Calgary, or Nashville versus having to go up against Minnesota in the first round. And for a team that may not be at 100% and may not have Kale McCarr, that difference in opponent is is could be the difference between how many rounds you play. Well, the central division winner is going to get Seattle, right? At this, although Frank, here's the other thing: suddenly, oh, very right. quietly, Seattle is four back of LA, and they have a game in hand. Like suddenly, you know, they win their next game; they're only two back of the Kings, and you know, so it's crazy. Like there's LA's not even guaranteed third, which we thought was a lock a few weeks ago. That. You know, Seattle's very quietly just closed the gap. They're going to get 100 points this season. Yeah, but we uh, think there's a pretty big gap. I, not we. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think there's a pretty big gap between Seattle and Dallas or Minnesota. Maybe not points-wise. I just think style of play and playoff readiness. Oh, yes, 100%. So that's why I think first in the central is so massive because you'll probably get Seattle, but you might get L.A. That, would be, that yeah, that would be worse. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what's great about it. Like, there's so much up for grabs, other than the you know, and it looks even New Jersey, Carolina, New Jersey. We thought for the longest time was going to finish second, but you know, Carolina's slumping, and suddenly Jersey's only a point back. Carolina has a game in hand, and they seem every time New Jersey gets close, they win. But there's only one series, and I'd have to go back and look, and I, I might have to talk to Stewart at the NHL. When was the last time? With only a week remaining, six days come Saturday left in the season, we only had one playoff matchup secured. That's got to be the the latest ever. Uh, I I seem to remember a couple years ago, three four years ago, there was like we went into the final weekend and like six series were still to be decided. Okay, it could be right, but it just seems nuts that there's seven series that we don't know who's playing who yet. Is it really seven though? I guess it is. Yeah, because look at New Jersey and, and Carolina separated by a point. Yeah. And I said Carolina's what, 18th in the NHL since March 1st? They're not like rocking and rolling. So But so many of them are like really close to being locked in. Like Edmonton and LA is very close. It is. But what if LA loses on Saturday to uh Let's see. To, to the Colorado? Right, and, and Seattle wins their game in hand. Suddenly they're tied. So the Rangers have an 80% chance yes. to play the Devils. 
Yeah, they're third for sure. The Rangers are locked. Like some teams are locked into their spot, but who they're playing isn't locked. The Oilers have a 75% chance to play the Kings. Hey, buddy, but that's still a 25% chance. So you're Minnesota and Dallas. Yeah, Minnesota and Dallas are a 50% chance. So what is Dallas and Colorado? Or Dallas, I mean, Minnesota, Colorado. Minnesota and Colorado is a 44% chance. Yeah, so think about that. It's not much of a difference. Yeah. And Colorado, it's Colorado has, their chances are Minnesota, 44%, Seattle, 38%, LA, 7%. Yeah. So they're basically saying that the Kraken have a 7% chance to catch the Kings. Yeah. Yeah, it's not high, but... You know, you win your games in hand. Now, they play Vegas the last two games of the season for Seattle, and that's obviously going to be challenging for them. But it's uh, it's fun to watch, man. Every day you gotta you actually have to look at the out-of-town scoreboard a lot right now. So let's, let's play the same game that we played in the East. What is the juicy wild card matchup from one of – there do, do Nashville, Calgary, or Winnipeg have any upset potential based on who they would play? Likely Vegas. So, like, Vegas, Colorado, or, or Dallas. That's who I think is going to be the, the top two in each one. No, so it would be – but it would be Vegas is likely to win the West, though. Yeah, yeah. Vegas is going to finish eight. Okay, so it's Vegas. They're going to play one of Winnipeg, Calgary, or Nashville. Yeah. Is there any of those three teams have an upset possibility? And does anyone really – like, the, the Golden Knights are going to win the West. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. But does anyone really think they're the number one team? Like, to the team to beat? Um, no, I wouldn't put them as the team to beat, no. They're good. How would you rank, how would you rank the West? I love this game. Right um, now, based on perceived strength in the Western Conference. Yeah. Is Colorado healthy? I'm just saying right now, you have to go on the information you have, not on okay, what it so could be. Kale McCarr is out indefinitely. That changes it. So then I would put Edmonton slightly ahead of Colorado. If McCarr is ready and going to the playoffs, then I still put Colorado one. Okay. And then I have Edmonton two. Um, I would have probably Vegas three. Um, then it's like Dallas, L.A., Minnesota. Uh, L.A., the way they're playing lately, I don't like it, so they might be sixth. And then Dallas, Minnesota, four or five. The recency bias is amazing. I'm not saying from you. I'm just saying in general of how we view it. But because, I never liked oh, I never liked LA's offense all year. That was my. But ten favorite. days ago, like they were on an absolute heater, couldn't lose. Yeah, but they also look who they beat. They were beating all the non-playoff teams, which okay. is good. But interesting. I, I I'm I really don't know how to rank it. Well, we'll rank a, a week ago, we'll I would have had Vegas sixth. I think. Out of six. Yeah. And now you have them, what, third, fourth? Yeah, something like third or fourth. Yeah. It is interesting. Vegas, in the regular season, they were 3-0 and against Winnipeg. Uh, they were 2-2 two and two against Calgary. 0-1 against Nashville. So if you base it on that, you would say maybe the Flames. Because here's the thing about the Flames. If Jake, like Calgary's record is deceiving because Jacob Markstrom was junk for the majority of the year. And he's played pretty well lately. So yeah. if they get in, and the, based on the way Markstrom's played, because suddenly your goalie's even a 9-10. I'm not talking he has to be Ulmark or that dominant, but just be 
Calgary would easily have been in the playoffs by now. So that's, I would say Calgary, if I'm ranking them, I would give Calgary the best chance over Vegas because Markstrom's has, uh, has found a semblance of his game again. I agree. And I think Markstrom was the most critical piece of the win in, in Winnipeg. And it wasn't just that he only allowed one. It was the way the game played out. It was the opportunities that the Jets had shorthanded on one shift, things like that that can turn a game. And I really liked his demeanor. He was playing on back-to-backs, but he just seemed calm, and it seemed like his team fed on his attitude, his demeanor. And that is not really what we've seen all season. Like, he's been a little bit... I don't know if jittery is the right word. He's been a little bit shaky and you could feel it watching him. And now you look at the game in Winnipeg and I'm like, that looks like the Vezina quality Jacob Markstrom. And I'm like, that's problematic for other teams in the West. If that, if it ends up coming to pass that he gets in. And it's interesting when you look Frank down the stretch, Huberdor scored some big goals for, for Calgary, right? He's come up at key times in games. I thought Kadri's effort against Chicago was horrendous. Like that's something like, oh my goodness. But uh, then you look at, at depth guys like Lucic and Lewis scored some massive goals for them in, uh, in, in that win over Anaheim and then the, uh, the win over Winnipeg. And so, you know, you look at, you know, veteran guys who are suddenly kind of waking up a little bit for Calgary. They're, uh, they're going to be a tough out. And I've, I, I will say this, if they get in, I still will give them the best chance to win in the first round. Interesting. Let's bring in uh, Ty Uremchuk. Ty, how you doing? I'm doing good, guys. Another edition of Fill in the Blank for you. I am distracted, though, because it's Masters weekend, and that means I carry around my iPad all day like I'm a 10-year-old kid and just watch golf. I'm an yeah, iPad that's my kid. son. Yeah. You could be my son this weekend. <laughs> uh, beat Frank's son in MLB The Show yesterday, so I also wanted to flex on that. We played online against each other, and I yeah, beat Tyler the Yeah, Tyler smoked us. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. Anyways, I, I can't figure out the hit. I'm not. So Tyler texted me before. He's like, "You cannot possibly be good at video games. You're old." And I was like, oh, he's not wrong." And I, yeah, I couldn't catch up to the timing of the pitching. So yeah, he got smoked. It was very early. Yeah. Tyler's like, "Could you just swing like a, a half second later? You'll actually hit stuff." By the end of it, now, I was are, just are you, you ten years older than your rem check, Frank? Mm, yes. Yeah. Okay. It's not that old, but. Older. No, but it's still like it's enough to be like I haven't played video games in 15 years. Oh, hey, dude, I play with my nine year old son, and there's only certain games like I crush him on Galaga, I school him on that one. Um, any of the newfound games, like we'll play NHL 95 and stuff, so I got a chance because I kind of remember how to play that one, so I'm, I'm in it. But we play any of the new games. And I'm just like, eh, why don't you play with your friends? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't, I can't hack it. It's like the there's too much stuff going on. Oh, they got like, well, there's just way more. Many Dude, I grew up on in television. People, like, it was a disc for God's sakes. It's like the worst controller of all time. If you are good at in television disc, you can play any console because you literally anybody who played intelligent would know maybe we'll find a picture and tweet it out but that controller was like a circular disc at the bottom and that's how you went left to right like it's not a joystick god it was the worst but as a kid that's all you had so i was like well this isn't that hard but it's, I, it's I, a I, solid 20 years since i legitimately played video games oh at a, at a regular basis yeah 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 my right. wife actually got me for christmas i have a stand-up arcade game that has two thousand games they're all old school like atari and galaga nice. so when uh, when we have house parties 
Uh, my buddy, like those guys will just play for hours on that. It's unreal. That's actually sick. I'd love to get my hands on one of those. Those are awesome. Uh, all right, let's get into fill in the blank brought to you by our friends at Batano. Uh, I'm going to ask this question to the guys on Daily Faceoff Live later today, but interested for your opinion as well. If the NHL had an award for breakout player of the year, you could also call it most improved player, I suppose, kind of like the NBA does, but the winner would be blank. Jason? Oh, God. Breakout player. So it's not a comeback award or anything? Nope, nope. Just someone who, again, really took their game to another level. Breakout or most improved. Okay, so even if they were good beforehand, like, so I have to eliminate Eric Carlson because he's being elite, but mm-hmm. his bounce back year would be pretty close. Um, I guess, Nuge! Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's it's hard not to go with Nugent Hopkins. I've been, I've been writing about it. He's, you know, there's only three guys in NHL history that played more seasons before they got their first 100 points. Stamkos, Johnny Busick, and Gordie Howe. Keep in mind that Busick and Howe played in an era where they had fewer games played. But... Yeah, it's hard to go against Nugent Hopkins um, with with the hundred points. Um, I know he's on the power play, and and, and he's an, an integral part of that power play. But I'm actually, you know what? I'm not going to go with the obvious one. I'm going to go with Carter Verhage because he's got forty goals. Insane. No one's talking uh, about it. He's a good player, man. Forty goals, Frank. If I would have told you like eighteen months ago, hey, Carter Verhage's going to have a forty goal season, you would have told me to go to hell. Um, dude, Carter I would have Verhage. not. I would not have said it's out of the realm of possibility. How about this, Frank? Carter Verhage is fourth in the NHL in even strength goals. He's got thirty-three. Only McDavid thirty-seven, Pasternak thirty-nine, and Ranton forty-one have more. Like I don't is, even think he's the breakout player on his own team, man. Why? Who do you think is Brandon Montour? Yeah, he's been great. Seventy-one points as a yeah, defenseman yeah. in seventy-seven games. Are you bleeping kidding me? His previous career high was 37. Yeah, no, he's been good too. And he's played 400 games before this year. Yeah. Where did this come from? Well, he's getting some PP time there. It's working. I loved him in Anaheim and he went to the he went to Buffalo and the wheels fell off. Yeah. Hey. So look at look at the Ducks. Montour Manson. Oh my God. Lindholm. Screw up their like, oh my Mr. Murray. What were you thinking at the end of your tenure? Oof. And there have been rumblings. Bob Murray might be back in the game. Shea Theodore. No, There's he is another... back in the game as an advisor, just to be clear with the flames. But there are some rumblings that the next GM chair that opens that Bob Murray might be in the mix. Hmm. Uh, so uh, Montour was going to be my guy, but I have another one. That's pretty good too. Um, how about, I'm trying to find it because it went off my screen, Clayton Keller. That's a good one. Yeah, he's been really good lately, especially coming off the injury for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that injury was so significant. And to get paid what he gets paid, um, he, it was looking like a really bad contract. And now it's an absolute bargain. Yeah. No, it's He's just a, he, and I, and I thought that he was an elite passer. He is, but he's really added a goal scoring touch that is quite impressive. Yeah, like there's a few guys. Hey, Nugent Hopkins, what he's done at a, you know, thirty five goals, career high. Also goals a number one overall pick. Points. Yeah, but still it's hard to call him a breakout. It's a breakout season, but yeah, so. yeah, I that's a hard what the time going was. there. Right, the question was breakout season, right? Not breakout player. Oh. 
Fuck you guys. <laughs> uh, also, I would some love for uh, Tim Stuchla. 84 points. That's a big, big yes. jump for him. He might crack You're, 40 no. if he gets on a little heater here. Maybe knocks home a Hattie in one of their last games. Hey, buddy. Stutzel is going to be really good, yeah. man. Like, oh, I love that guy as a player. Uh, second one I got for you. You danced around this one a little bit earlier on when you were talking about wildcard teams in the East, but the wildcard team that Boston should want to face the least is blank, Frank. Hmm. I still think it's the Islanders. I don't really want to go up against Sorokin at any point. And I think the Islanders can be a pain to play against. They're committed defensively. That I wouldn't want to face them. Not with a historic season. I agree. Sorokin and uh, the Islanders, the one thing they can do is they can they can play a patient defensive game. Um, no question, but yes. Of those three teams, I think the Islanders would be the, uh, the, you know, the toughest of the three matchups for them. Fair. All right, third one I got for you. You talked about all the teams with injury problems right now. Of Colorado, Tampa, Vegas, the team that should be the most concerned with their injury situation is blank, Jason. I'm going to go Tampa Bay because they have so many of them. And, uh, you know, Vegas has shown they, they've overcome theirs. Colorado still has Ranton and McKinnon, and they're just on fire. So, um, and they're just, they're still really good. So I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Uh, they're an older team wearing tear in the tires and they got a lot of injuries now i'm gonna say colorado they that team hasn't been healthy all year at any juncture at any aspect at any position so until they are healthy for a run i'm gonna say it's gonna continue to be a theme fair enough there you go that is a wrap on this week's edition of fill in the blank brought to you by our friends at batano A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Thought there'd be an Easter question, Frank. What's your uh, what's your favorite? Are you a candy guy? Like, what's your favorite Easter? Not really an Easter candy guy because there's so much chocolate. I'm not a big chocolate guy. I'm a gummy candy guy. Really? Also, like, oh, you like those? You like, like those little rabid gummies? Like Sour Patch Kids. Oh, okay. What about dinosaurs? You like those? That's not an American candy. That's an inauthentic candy. That's fraudulent. <laughs> Canada has the worst candy going, man. I say this every time. What do you mean? Dinosaurs are unreal. Dude, I don't even know what that is. It just sounds fake. Dinosaurs aren't real. Come on, get out of here. Oh, yeah. First, dino- I can't believe you guys don't have dinosaurs. Are you kidding me? It's 
don't have ketchup chips. How can I even talk to you about real snacks when you guys don't even have ketchup chips? You guys yeah. have bad gummy candy. Well, but we have we have the which ones do we have that you, you don't have dinosaurs? Trust me, I'll buy, I'll bring you some dinosaurs to Nashville, and you will be like game changer. Hmm. Trust me, they're so good. They were so good, Frank, that there was actually a shortage during COVID because I have a little bit of a dinosaur addiction. I went about like I've, I've pretty much weaned myself off of them for the most part, but I used to drive by Bulk Barn, and it was like they would just call me. And the next thing I know, I'd be turning into the into the parking lot. Hey, that's me, stuff. like, going by any fast food restaurant. Congratulations. Yeah, and you know what, though? They ran out of them in COVID. They didn't have any. And so it was, like, the greatest thing for me because I was, like, I got weaned off of them because they didn't have them. And, like, trust me, like a, like a dinosaur junkie, I kept going back, like, every week. And they're, like, no, we still don't have them. And then slowly I was, like, oh, I guess I don't need them anymore. Speaking of uh, uh, weaned off – had some as we talk about my weight loss quest. Yeah, what are you at quick, now? Quick update. Quick scale? update. I haven't gotten on a scale, but some serious detox headaches this week. Like you I have been. Got to on the scale. We need to see the progress. You need to see the number. But my clothes are fitting better. No, no, I, I'm going by. I, I, I'm not that I'm not concerned about weight, but I don't want to be. I don't want to find out just yet. All right. So you're getting headaches from what? Oh, well, because you're not having any soda. No soda, really no sugar. Definitely no added sugar. Yeah. So these last few days have been a grind. I've been sitting at my desk and looking at these, tracking these spreadsheets and the spending and my just absolute brain fog. <laughs> do you have uh, smart suites? Uh, we do, but I don't, I'm not going there. Oh, okay. I'm abstaining from that. All right. Well, there you go. Well, it's good to see you have those candies. They're legit. Yeah. They're good. So yeah. pretty sure they're made in Canada, Frank, legit candy. Yeah, fraudulent. <laughs> well, have a happy Easter, Frank. Um, I, I always look forward to Easter. I like the, uh, the, the, the Easter bunny, the non-hollow one. It's got to be the pure thick chocolate. That's oh, the best. God. Can't be the hollow. Hollow is just like, nah. That's diabetes know. in a box, man. Yeah, but you just cut off a piece and you eat a little bit every day. And the best thing as a kid, I used to dip it in hot chocolate. Oh. Oh, my unreal. God, you sick bastard. Oh, so good. Oh. It's like a mirage bar. When you used to go to the hockey rink and you'd get by a hot chocolate at the hockey rink, when I, my brother was playing, I'd be watching when i get a mirage bar and I would dip the mirage bar or an arrow bar in the chocolate and then you could just, lick, oh, it's melting your mouth. Unbelievable. Oh. You've gone a few get steps your kids to try it, people. You'll never, that'll be a game changer for you. The mirage chocolate milk mix. Oh, hot chocolate. Love it. Have a great weekend. We'll see if we have any clear playoff picture. You know what? I'm hoping we don't. I'm hoping that by early next week, we still do not have uh, any more series locked in because it just adds to the intrigue. The control freak type A personality in me just wants to know. <laughs> awesome. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. 
Now here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.